Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Pastor Eric hasn't quite made it back yet, so we have a special treat for you tonight. We have a few preachers who are going to share with you, and I'm going to start off with the unbeatable team. Who wants to go first? All right, y'all, welcome to the stage, our Irving pastor, Pastor Brian Gray. Thank you. Thank you so much. The beautiful and talented Lady Bishop Heather Holler, everybody, give it up for her. Come on now. Give her a hand. Give her a round. Uh, We love our pastors. They're amazing, right? Amen. Um, I had something entirely prepared for you. It was nice. It was funny. It was clever. It was cute. It was bound to make you laugh. And then I got here and the Lord said, that's not what we're talking about today. So, uh, I love you guys. And I believe this to be a word from the Lord for you specifically for tonight. So I want you to receive it that way. Uh, It may not be the most uh, mind-bendingly entertaining, right? But we're here to experience God, not to be entertained. Amen? And and so uh, I'm going to teach you a little bit tonight. Is that okay? All right, so we're going we're gonna to start in the book of Isaiah, we're going to go then to Jeremiah, and we're going to go to Lamentations. One, two, three, right in a row. Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Lamentations. We're going to begin in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter, uh, let's see, 43, in verse uh, 19. Actually, let's go to verse 18 to begin with. That's Isaiah 43, 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Say new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Lord, I thank you that it's not by might and not by power, but it is by your spirit in Jesus' name. It's interesting because the children of Israel at this point in time in history are looking to their God for an answer for the situation that they find themselves in. And they find themselves looking back to the old answers as they want a new way forward. You hear me? They're looking to the old answers as they're looking for a new way forward. So the old answer was, Lord, I need you to split the rivers into two so we can get out of captivity. I need need you to part the seas, right? But now they're in a desert, so they don't need the Lord to part the waters. What they need is actual water to come to them, right? They actually need a new solution to this new problem that they have, but they can't get away from their old ways, They can't get away from old thinking. They can't get away from these old expectations. And on one hand, it's good because they're expecting and believing for God to show up for them. But they have limited the ways in which they will allow for him to show up. They have limited the ways in which they will allow him to provide. They have said, this is what we need the miracle to look like because this is the instrument that you have used in the past. So this is what we expect you to use again. You hearing me? But the Lord says, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. And I'm here to tell you right now, whatever desert you find yourself in your life, stop looking to the old answers and let your God do a new thing in your life. Open up your possibility for him to move in a mighty new way where you are just in faith and faith alone with regard to what it looks like in the future. And in that same vein, we're going to go to Jeremiah now. This is something the Lord's been showing me. Um, Jeremiah 2.13. Again, that's Jeremiah 2.13. For my people have committed two evils. Say two evils. It's interesting that we note that it's two evils because we treat it a lot of times like it's one fluid thing. And it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. And the Lord right now is using Jeremiah to reveal this to us. And he says, there are two evils that are actually occurring here. What are they? Well, let's read on. (laughs) They have forsaken me the fountain of living waters. There's one. They've turned away from God. 
What's the second? And hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We oftentimes hear that you're going to serve something in this life, right? And so we treat it as though if you're not serving God, you're serving something else, and that's one fluid motion. It is and it isn't. And God's saying there's actually two separate things going on here, and you need to recognize that there are two separate things occurring here. Yes, you have turned from me, but it is a separate and distinct thing that you have also turned to something else. It is. And you need to notice that. It's kind of like you're dating someone and they break up with you, right? It's bad enough that they broke up with you, but then the next day they show up and they're dating your worst enemy, right? Like, really, that guy? Like, Nickelback is his favorite band, that guy? Really? He still wears a puka shell necklace. Like that guy. You're going to date that. It's bad enough that you said no to me. But now you're saying yes to him, right? Are you hearing me now? Like two separate offenses here. Two separate things have actually occurred, right? And what's interesting is that a lot of times we don't recognize the first. We don't. We don't recognize that we've actually turned from God. We don't recognize that we have said no to the promises that reside in the living waters that we can bathe in continually day after day. We don't recognize that. We don't. But it's really easy because we know exactly whenever we're expecting a broken cistern to hold water and it can't. We know exactly whenever we focused on the wrong answer and it falls apart. And it breaks God's heart. And what we're about to see here in the following conversation between God and his people in Israel is about that. He's not chastising them. He's trying to make them aware of the situation of what happens whenever you trust on brokenness to fix your incompleteness, as though incompleteness could fix your emptiness. You've got to come to completeness and completeness only in order to be made whole, and that is God, is in God and God alone. So we'll jump down to 17, and it says this, Have you not brought this on yourself? This is God speaking through Jeremiah to Israel. Have you not brought this on yourself in that you have forsaken the Lord your God when he led you in the way? He's not rebuking them. I mean, he is. But you got to hear the brokenheartedness of God in this. Why did you turn away from me? Why did you trust in that? Have you not? I'm not punishing you. I'm not punishing. You brought this on yourself. You relied on a broken something to carry you. What did you expect? More brokenness is what's going to happen. And then in 2.19, he says this, Your own wickedness will correct you, and your backslidings will rebuke you. Know, therefore, and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God, and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord of God your host. Here's what the fear of the Lord is. It's believing his word and being so afraid of life without him that you trust his word above anything else you will ever encounter. It is. It's knowing that the consequences of a life without him are so dire that you have to have him. That's what the right fear of the Lord is. And Proverbs tells us this, that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I want you to be wise today. Wise today about your God who loves you, who is calling you back, who has not sent these things to punish you, but rather it's the result of choosing broken things over the one who restores And you can turn around and come back just like that. And he will restore you completely and lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He will fill you up. up. He will refresh you. And he will make a river in your desert. And I know this because of, and this is the last verse, Lamentations 3. Jeremiah was living in Israel at a very, very difficult time. I mean, you want to read the book of Lamentations? Knock yourself out, right? You ever feeling too good about life? Check that book out, right? Forget Job, 
You know what I mean? Like, this will do it for you, right? Lamentations, one of the worst books in the Bible in terms of like, oh, this is terrible. Because Israel has, has been taken captive. And I mean, like, babies have been like literally crushed on the pavement. I'm not exaggerating, right? Like, awful, awful things are happening. And in the midst of this, Jeremiah says this in verse 19, or chapter 3, verse 19. Lamentations 3, 19. Remember my affliction and roaming. So here we have the roaming, wondering again. The wormwood and the gall. Okay, wormwood is bitter and so is gall. So this is the bitterness that was just being referenced in Jeremiah, right? My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. So he's saying, I remember how bad it was without you. I remember how awful it was without you. And I remember that I still have you despite how bad that was. And in this I have hope, that I have you. That I had you then and I have you now, and you had me then and you have me now. And then he says this in verse 20, or sorry, in verse 22. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I have hope in him. Remember this. Remember this. He had you then and he has you now. And every single morning you wake up, he has you. And this is where we get his mercies are new each day. His goodness is fresh each morning. It will restore you. Grace is your supply for the demand that the world puts on you. And when you wake up every single day, you have a new supply of God's grace and God's goodness. That his mercy, his mercy is forever and endures and nothing will take that from us. So remember as you're facing this new desert of yours, your God will do a new thing. Not only will he do that new thing, but he will supply it through his grace. And that when he does, you can throw away that broken cistern and live in the living water of your God that is with you always. Amen, that was good. All right, part B of the unbeatable team, Jonna Gray. That is in no way to indicate that you're lesser than part A. Just part I know that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, well, good evening. Oh, it's good to be with you guys tonight. Um, something that we hear a lot and we preach on a lot, especially anybody who preaches anything about tithes and offerings, uh, Galatians 6 tells us... Uh, let yourself not grow weary in doing well. And um, today I had my niece and nephew, Willow and Jones, and it, it's really easy to get weary really quick. <laughs> and, uh, and tired. And I think, you know, for the first time reading this week, I found something different about not growing weary and how not to do it. And it, it's this little secret I think that that's almost hidden in Scripture, and I want to talk about that because, you know, it does say, let not yourself grow weary. So there is an allowance that begins to happen when we go into weariness. Weariness is, not a, cho- is a choice. It's not a have to. And weariness is something just not in the body, but it's, it's in your soul is, is actually where it is. And, and I want to read from James chapter 1. Um, starting in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
Okay, so we hear that a lot and say, it's, it's like we diminish hearing and we increase doing. All right, well, no, you just can't hear the word. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And as a church, we focus on doing it. We got to go, you know, we got to go preach the gospel. We got to go give. We got to go. We got to do. We got to do. We got to do. But that's not actually what it's saying here, because you have to keep reading. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and does not do, or is not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, the mirror being a picture of the word, all right? Uh, For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is, right? You hear it once, you walk away, and you're like, oh, that's nice, and then you think of something else, and you just, you know, you keep going, right? And, uh, And that's what it's talking about, not just being, okay, you can't just hear it once, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So there's a secret here that we can't just be a hearer once and that's really good and walk away, right? No, we have to be someone who is continually in the word, continually hearing the word over and over and over again, all right? Hearing it once is a lot of knowledge, and it doesn't feed you at all. Hearing it over and over again begins to feed your soul, and we see this in Isaiah 55. Uh, We're going to start in verse 2. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. And that listen carefully in the Hebrew is actually, okay, so listen in the Hebrew is shama, okay? Make a friend of that, shama, right? But the phrase listen carefully is shama, shama. And it's a little, it's a little redundant, but really what it's saying is listen, listening, or hear, hearing, hear and hear again, hear and hear again. And again, and again, and again. Listen carefully. No, it's really translated. No, listen to this over and over again. All right? Listen to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. When you hear and you hear and you hear and you hear the word and you hear it and you hear it again, That's when your soul lives. That's when you step out of that weariness and you come into that abundance that is waiting for you of rest and freedom and life. Amen? You have to keep listening to it. You have to keep hearing it. All right? It says in, uh, what is it, John? No, yeah, John 6. Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Well, if he's the bread of life and he's also the word, the word is life. The word is life to you. And we need to keep feeding our souls on that, right? And, you know, someone who I've been in church my whole life, all right? And, and as someone who I can tell you all the Ten Commandments, I can tell you all the books of the Bible, I can name all the plagues, I can name a lot of stuff. But that doesn't mean that I'll have the strength for today if I, just, if I don't go back to the Word, I have to keep reminding myself of that. Uh, Pastor Roxanne Alexander said it beautifully. You cannot live off the memory of a baked potato. Right? Oh, that was so good. That's not feeding me today. 
I need to be fed today. And I need that strength so I can keep doing the good things that God has for me to do in this earth. So I can reap a harvest and so I I will not faint not. Amen? Keep hearing the word and, and keep hearing it over and over and over and over again. Don't just think you know it all. You got to hear it too. Amen? God bless you. Amen. Man, Jonna thought she was getting extra applause. <laughs> Jonna was headed back to her seat thinking she was getting a standing ovation. She was. Praise God. Well, good evening. Actually, to me, it's about 3.45 a.m. Africa time. Uh, So, praise God, it's good to be home. Alex and I just uh, got picked up by my son at the airport, and we drove straight to church to see you tonight. Amen. It's great to be in the house of God. You know, the scripture says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to church. Uh, take me to church. Those are the only lyrics that you can sing, actually, to that song. But I like those lyrics. <laughs> Amen. All right, it's great to see all of you. And wow, what a great time we had. Um, but I don't want to share any of that yet, because we have some more preachers. Who do we have coming up now? Valerie? <laughs> Yes, I, you're right. I'm, I'm a little delirious. But um, Ashley Tamborin, why don't you come up and bring the word tonight, girl? I didn't know if I should go in for a hug there. I just kind of swiped in with my paper. Hi. That's all you get. Uh, Hey guys, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so honored to be just among the two people that I already heard. I am psyched about what you had to say. Um, And I I took the five-minute thing literally, so you're not going to get a whole lot. I'm just a teaser. But I want to talk to you tonight about Jesus as our healer, bring a little bit of a different word to you. Um, I was reading in Mark chapter 1, and Jesus was in Galilee, and he was, of course, preaching, teaching, and healing, and casting out demons. And so in one, we get to the story of the leper. And um, it says, now the leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he said this, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I don't know about y'all, just reading that, I get a little psyched. I get like Bible geeked up. Like, no, like that's just, that's a good word. But then it really made me start to think, not everybody thinks that way. Not, not everybody thinks that's super awesome. And I really think that the way you view this passage is kind of a barometer of what your view of God's healing is and where you stand with your view of that. And I realized that reading this, a lot of people focus on, you know, that Jesus had compassion on the man. Or they focus on, are you willing? 
the man asking, are you willing? And I know preachers preach on that, but what really stuck out to me was, and Jesus touched him. Really, something about that moved me. And I began to look into it, and the Greek word for touch, actually, an alternative word is cling. In fact, it's even used in a carnal sense between a man and a woman. So this isn't just like, you know, uh, Michelangelo, the creation of Adam, like God, like, uh, you know, like the unclean guy comes to him and he's like, be cleansed, leper. You know, and just like his bony finger. You know what I mean? But some of us, I think, picture it that way. You know what I mean? When what it is, I mean, let's think about the culture at that time. Let's think about leprosy at that time. You know, if you had leprosy, you were completely shunned from society. You went and hung out with your leper friends, which I'm sure weren't real friendly. Um, It was not super awesome to be there. And so they didn't see their families. I can't imagine the shroud of loneliness that that would be. In fact, when they went anywhere, they had to say, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Just so, in case you didn't see the horrendous picture of them, you knew that they were somewhere near you. Because in the law, it was whatever is unclean, if you touch or you get near it, then you are unclean. And look at what Jesus did. He saw him, and he had compassion on him, and he clung to him. I like to see it as God embraced this leper. Jesus hugged a leper. Can you imagine the jaw-dropping power of that? Like, I mean, everybody just kind of stepping back at what just happened. And that, I don't know about you guys, but that, that moves me. That moves me. You know, and I think that it's preached a lot about the physicality of this healing. This is a physical healing. But I tell you what it speaks to me. I'm in a hard time in my life. I'm in a broken-hearted time. And I know at any given time in all of our lives, there are many broken hearts in here. You might have a lost child. You might have an eating disorder. You might have an alcohol addiction. Everybody's got a monkey on their back about something. But I know it says in Isaiah and in Luke that he came to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And Jesus wants to cling to you in your weakness. And he has compassion for you. And he wants to heal you. He is willing to heal you. And so I I am so blessed by this, that even in my hurt, I feel like, you know, when you're hurt and you're shrouded in it, and you're saying, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, Lord, are you willing, Lord, are you willing? And Jesus says, yes, get over here. I want to hug you. I want to rush right into your situation. I want to tell you that God wants to do that for each and every one of you tonight. He is with us. He is proud of you, and he is clinging to you, and he is in you, and he is working through you, and he sees right where you are, and you are not unclean, because when he touches you, you are clean. Praise God. Thank you. I'm so excited to get to introduce Ashley to you all and to see what God brings out of that woman. Um, She's just as anointed as she is, beautiful and sweet and funny. She's hilarious. Uh, 
That was so good, Ashley. Thank you. All right, before Pastor Eric takes back over, we have one more that you've heard from before. He's one of our favorites, our board member, Steve Bolden. That's kind of hard to follow. So. <laughs> what I want to talk about tonight is what are you fighting for? Uh, in 1 Timothy 6.12, Paul urges Timothy. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Now, the good fight of faith is the only fight that you and I as Christians should be fighting if you're in any other kind of fight, you're in the wrong arena. You know, uh, your fight's not against the devil. Jesus has already defeated him. Your, your fight's not against sin. Because Jesus was made sin, so you're the righteousness of God. And your fight is not against the thoughts of your mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says says, you have the mind of Christ. And your fight is not against your neighbor. Proverbs 16, 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be peace at him, with him. So let's kind of backtrack for a second and see what uh, Paul is telling Timothy in the prior verses. Then start with verse 9. It says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many uh, foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in, des in destruction and, and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves uh, through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Now what Paul is saying is there's some things in life that you don't fight. You flee. You run away from. Uh, uh, it's not a sin to be tempted, but there's two things that you should flee or stay away from. The first one is tempting situations or circumstances. And the second one is tempting associations or uh, people who tempt you. I like the way the New International Version says 15, uh, 1 Corinthians 15.33. Uh, it simply says, bad company corrupts good character. You know, there's an old saying, if you hang around the barber shop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. You know, it's true. If you have a problem with alcohol, you don't go down to the bar to get a sandwich. You stay away from there. You need to know what tempts you, when it tempts you, where it tempts you, who tempts you, and then stay away from those situations and people. In other words... You have to flee anything that hinders your walk with the Lord. Yeah. You know, when a boxer takes on a fight, 
he has to give up some stuff. You know, he has to flee the fatty food. He has to flee uh, sleeping until 12 o'clock in the middle of the day. He's got to flee anything that hinders him for the fight that's coming. He's got to wake up early. He's got to get out and run. And then he's got to eat the right diet. So again, I ask you, what are you fighting for? That brings me back to verse 12. You know, there is a fight to faith. When a boxer competes, he's got two goals in mind. The first one is that he's still standing after the bell of the last round. Muhammad Ali didn't just put on a pair of boxing gloves one day and become the heavyweight champion the next. He practiced his technique for years. He, as he put it, he floated like a butterfly and stung like a bee. But the greatest enemy to our faith is the lack of understanding of God's word. Your faith cannot grow simply by putting a Bible on your nightstand or on your coffee table. All the hindrances to your faith center in the lack of knowledge of God's word. You cannot believe or have faith beyond your knowledge of of the word of God. It's not God's fault that you don't have faith. Romans 10, 17 says, Then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's the key to increasing your faith and be and uh, still be standing after the last round of the bell. Your faith will automatically grow as you plant God's word in your heart. Now, the second goal that boxer has is that he's given more than he's received. When Muhammad Ali fought George Foreman, I think it was back in 74, uh, uh, in what was billed as the Rumble and the Jungle, uh, George Foreman was favored uh, very heavily to win that fight. But uh, Muhammad Ali deployed something that the boxing world had not seen before. Uh, it became known as the Rope-A-Dope. And what he did, he allowed George Foreman to pin him up against the ropes and just pound him back and forth. Now, he would block a lot of those punches, but the, uh, the ropes would take a lot of the force of the other punches. He let him do that for a couple, three rounds, and then the next round, he came out fighting. Well, George Foreman had exert, uh, exerted all of his, uh, uh, his energy, and uh, Muhammad Ali won the fight. He was unable to defend himself. Don't let the enemy rope-a-dope your faith. (laughs) You know, grow in the knowledge of God's word. Uh, Like Paul told Timothy, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. In other words, give more than you've received. When you fight the good fight of faith and grow in the knowledge of God's word, You can step out of that narrow place of life's problems and tap into the boundless power of God. 
word, sir. Thank you. It's great to see you. Praise God. Thank you. Always a lot of wisdom coming from that man right there. I appreciate you. Appreciate you, Brother Steve, very much. Praise God. What country am I in? <laughs> Texas. That's right. The country of Texas. Praise God. Uh, anyway, I bet if you were to slowly wash this body, you would have to first wash off the United States and then what was next? Brussels and then Frankfurt and uh, Rwanda and then Uganda. Yeah. So these pants have seen a lot in the last 40 hours. <laughs> Don't talk to them. They'll talk back. <laughs> you have to forgive how grimy we are. I told, I told uh, Alex, I said, we're, we're going to really look like missionaries, man. <laughs> we, we get to church Wednesday night. So uh, I wanted to, we really wanted to come see you uh, before we went home and crashed. Where, where is Alex? Where are you? Oh, there you are. <laughs> come up here for a second, Alex. Uh, you know what was awesome is uh, watching this, this young man minister the way he did, um, Sunday morning, they sent me to a church that had two services like ours. Well, I say like ours. They're all they're about two and a half hours each His service. About two and a half hours each. How long was yours? My second one was just over three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, did you preach that long? No, I only got like the last thirty minutes of it. <laughs> yeah, they saved the good you know, for the end, saved Alex, the, the best for last, but anyway, yeah, their church services go just a little longer than what we're used to, and uh, anyway, so Alex and uh, Aaron Perry and Steve, what's Steve's last name? Dodson. Dodson, yeah, they all preached at two different churches Sunday morning, so uh, I, they were driving all over the place, uh, preaching everywhere, and I just, I was just so, my heart was so full for that m morning when I knew Alex was going to get to minister and have that experience, not only, not only to preach, but also, this boy was laying his hands on, on people, casting devils out, I mean, setting people free. The first night that we were there, Thursday night was uh, the first night of the, comp or the uh, crusade. Now, I have never done a crusade before. I've done lots of conferences, and leadership and pastoral conferences, you know, around the world, but I've never done like an open-air crusade, so this was a new experience for me too, and uh, wow, yeah, so these things can tend to get to, they can tend to be a little wild, um, and so there, there was, I don't know, that first night there was about, they guesstimated around 2,000 people there, it was hard, it's really hard to see because it's just, well, there's, first of all, the people are so dark already, and then, then when it gets dark, you can only see past so far, you know, as one of the, past, one of the pastors said, we got to wear bright clothes, otherwise all you'll see is our teeth. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but really you can only see so far back there because it's, not, it's just not well, you know, well lit like our streets are. You know, you get just a little ways out of their light, then it's just, you just kind of can guess at how many are out there. 
So the first night, Aaron asked me to preach, and, and uh, so I preached and gave a message, uh, gave an invitation for salvation, and that first night, I think we had 53, 53 come to the Lord that night. So then, the, the way we had, we had it structured was to preach the gospel, get some people, get people saved, and then demonstrate with healing and miracles and, you know, whatever, however the Lord leads it, and so... Um, so next thing I know is I'm encouraging the people in miracles and telling them, I was telling about my grandmother who told the tornado to go back up in the sky, you know, and uh, just kind of prepping their hearts for the next area in time of ministry. All of a sudden, we, this woman starts acting out, you know, down here and convulsing, and so they just pick her up and throw her on the stage, right, at my feet. I'm like, all right. So kind of walking away from that, and um, <laughs> next thing I know, uh, they throw another one up there, another one, another one, another one, and, and all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by people convulsing and rah, hissing and contortion everywhere, you know? And, I mean, it was just like, wow, when, how did all of this happen? This isn't normal church for me. This is not how we do this in America. Everybody stays in their seat. Nobody convulses. Anyway, uh, so, um, but what, what the problem was is that so many of them uh, practice witchcraft. And so as soon as, and it rained that afternoon, normally they would take the possessed or the oppressed over to the side so pastors can minister to them. Well, because the ground was wet everywhere, the stage was the driest thing. That was their logic. Just throw them up on the stage. So they're just pitching these poor women up on the stage. And so the more, the more attention, listen to me. I want to just encourage you to know The more attention gets drawn to the enemy's activity, the more he acts out. And so, I mean, next thing we know, like I said, it's like a bunch of fish in the bottom of a boat just flopping around. And so we've got pastors uh, uh, casting devils out, you know, uh, and gathered around. This guy's one of them, just setting people free. And so, praise God, they got free. Um, so, the, <laughs> after the meeting that night, uh, we're talking in the van on the way home. Okay, what are some things that we don't want to happen again? I said, I don't want possessed people on this, flopping all over the stage anymore. I think that's, I think that's a distraction. To what God wants to do because we had miracles to go into and now the devil has come up and he, he put on a show. And so um, uh, we, we, did, we agreed that the next night, we didn't care if it was two feet of water, we were going to put them over on the side. And um, so the next night, Aaron's preaching and we get to this part of the service and sure enough, one of them starts convulsing. They take her, take her right over to the side and not one more. And everything, every night after that was just like, oh, okay. So the devil knows that he's not going to get any glory here. So he's just, he's not going to show out. And I'm just telling you, I think we can just continue to say something like what Steve said. He's already defeated. Huh? And if you don't give him the, the time of day, you don't give him the attention, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Huh? And we have the victory. We have the victory. 
But it was just awesome to see this young man just step out and take his rightful place. I've cast devils out of people before. Is this your first time to do that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, well, first of all, I did not bring a wife home as much as he tried for me to um, everywhere we went. You want? Oh, bring a wife home. <laughs> We, even in Germany, we stopped and met this girl, and he's like, would you want to come home with this man? I'm like, well, that sounds really bad, Pastor. <laughs> I didn't bring any kids home either, even though I really wanted to. Yeah, there were, we did want to pack those little babies in suitcases and bring them home. They were, they were adorable. Beautiful. Kids Beautiful. everywhere. Um, tell them about Uganda as the youngest nation. Yeah, Uganda is evidently the youngest nation. They, I, I think it's the youngest average age of any country in the world. There's kids everywhere, young people everywhere. It's overwhelming how many babies, young kids everywhere. And it's also hard to tell how old people are because um, I met a 94-year-old man who looked like he was like 50. And, so, uh, and we, we try to guess people's ages and we're off every single time. Um, but it was awesome. Uh, okay, well, on the, that note, um, the first night, as soon as he starts preaching, I'm, I'm, my job, for the most part, was to take pictures. Um, I got to minister at the churches on Sunday, but during the crusade, I was actually taking pictures. So the first night, I'm in the crowd taking pictures, and as soon as he starts preaching, that first lady over here starts convulsing, and I'm like, man, I got to take pictures. I don't want to deal with this, so I ignore it for a second. <laughs> I kind of just let it happen. I'm like, maybe she just fell or something. She'll be fine. And it keeps happening. And then it starts to become a distraction, and people start gathering. I'm like, okay, all right. So I go over, and I'm trying to ask them if we can move her over to the side. And no one understands me. They speak English, but they just couldn't understand me. Um, And then some people start, like, yelling at her or something. I'm like, okay, we're going to have to take care of this. So... I just cast out the demon, and uh, that was it. (laughs) Um, And then, like you said, after that, they just started, like, literally throwing people. It was violent. I was like, I was thinking, I was like, I really hope all these people are actually possessed because they are chucking these people on stage. I'm like, after they get set free, we need to pray for their healing because they're going to have something going on. Um, we, uh, we got to see Pastor Eric dance in front of 2,000 people. I got it on film. You will be seeing that on Sunday. Um, he got up. <laughs> I work for, I work for that lady right there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He got on stage, and it was that the mamba, what was that? He, like, did a little, shook his hips, and they put a scarf on him around his waist. And so he's all like, <laughs> everybody laughed at him. He made, he made all white people look terrible. <laughs> but it was awesome. Though. It was, I, I applauded his effort. I, he had a lot of bravery for getting up there and doing that. Um, <laughs> Um, but honestly, with the whole trip, I was truly just reminded about the simplicity and the power of the gospel of Christ. Um, 
because that is all we did is we just told people about the gospel. Um, and not only did the gospel save, I think the total count was around 300 um, for the whole conference crusade. Um, but the gospel doesn't stop there. It goes further than that. It sets people free. It heals people. We saw miracles happen. Um, people were healed. People were set free. It was incredible. Um, many kids were saved as well. Um, Paul talked about how the power is in the gospel. That's all you need to preach. That's all you need to teach. Um, at one point, I think Paul talked to the Corinthian church. About, he was marveling about how they were moving away from the simplicity of the gospel. Because sometimes you hear this gospel and you think, oh, this is too good to be true. There's got to be more to it. So we start to put uh, rules and, and requirements in place for, for our Christian walk. Um, but you just have to stand firm in the simplicity of the gospel and trust the gospel. Do not be ashamed of the gospel because that has the power to save everyone and never stop preaching the gospel. And it was a great trip, though. Thank you all for your prayer and your encouragement. Um, I was really blessed to have get to gone, gotten to have gone. Yeah. <laughs> get, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, buddy. Love you. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. We'll, like I said, we'll share some more somewhere with you. But, you know, one thing also that was encouraging to us, too, is the message, you know, that we preach here at One Cause Church. With our, you know, our emphasis is always the gospel. And the central focus is Christ died for our sins, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day. And just bringing that there and preaching to these pastors and leaders, these pastors were blown away by that. They were blown away by that. And so many of them commented about that. It really is the gospel that, that we've got to get back to the gospel. Thank you for bringing clarity again to that, you know. Um, and they, they kept saying, you speak special revelations, special mysteries. And I said, I'm just preaching the Bible to you. That's, that's what the scriptures say. Uh, so um, anyway, thank you. I want to say thank you as your pastor um, because, as I told you on the video, because we were there, Alex and I were there, you were there with us. And uh, thank you for your prayer and support. And the, the, the ministry continues on there. We saw such unity with the pastors there. As a matter of fact, those pastors, we had a pastor's breakfast Monday morning just talking about the conference and to give thanks to all those who had done work, their part in you know, mobilizing together and, and doing this conference together. And, and all those pastors said that they had never come together with such unity before but, but at any crusade they'd ever had before. Um, but they had never worked together so peacefully, and some of them come from different denominations and things, but they, they just decided to put all that aside and really come together. And for me, that's something I want to see happen here. You know, with our pastors, men of God, when I saw what, what these churches can do when they come together and change a whole community, uh, we need that. We need that here. We need that kind of unity here. That, that oneness where we are centered, uh, centrally focused on the message of the gospel being preached and put our differences aside and let it be the main thing. Amen. Praise God. All right. Can, can, um, let me just ask you, before we dismiss tonight, 
Um, if, if there's anybody here who needs prayer for healing, would you just stand up where you are if you need prayer for healing? Or if you just want to stand in for somebody you know is, is dealing with some kind of pain or sickness or anything, just stand where you are. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Now, if you are around sitting near someone who's standing up, would you please just, just go to them? and let's, let's just agree together. You know, the Scripture says that, that believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So, Lord, we thank you right now. Just let that anointing now be released, that healing anointing be released into everybody here or everybody that they are standing in for tonight. We thank you that you sent your word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Thank you, Jesus, that your body was broken so these bodies could be made whole in the name of Jesus you were wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon you, and with your stripes you, we are healed. Surely you have borne their sickness. You have borne their disease. You have borne their calamity. You have borne their malady. You have borne their pain. Thank you for that, Jesus. So that today it stops now, and they receive the benefits of the new covenant, a better covenant established upon better promises. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you right now that it is done because Jesus Christ said it is finished. So we believe that and we stand on that truth today in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Let's all stand together now. Father, thank you for your blessing upon your people as they go from here tonight. Thank you, Lord, that they are blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed in their cars and their stores and their businesses and their neighborhoods and their homes and their families. Everywhere they go, they're blessed and everything their hands touch shall prosper. Thank you, Father, that you give your people the victory because whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that they go in the victory. They go in might tonight, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God, that they are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Thank you, Father God, that this is a people who know their God, who are strong and do exploits in the earth. Father, I thank you that they are blessed of God, that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. And, and Lord, that tonight when they lay down in bed, they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make them dwell in safety, and all of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. Thank you for this glorious gospel that has come to us, and as for me and all my house, we will serve the Lord. All my house will be saved. Thank you for that, God. We continue to declare that over us and our entire family, because Lord, you love our whole house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise God. I love you guys very much. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.